Brother Delvin here of Gospel Repentance Ministries. And once again, it is my endeavor to declare to you all nothing but the truth, so help us God. Let's study and learn God's word together. Praise God. We don't want to talk about in this podcast episode is the idea of the will of God versus the will of man. The will of God versus the will of man. And there are many, many debates regarding how the two wills are to work in concert with one another. And by way of review, I've said this before, but it it bears repeating. When it comes to the will of man, many people make the mistake and the conclusion that man's will is autonomous. And what do I mean by autonomous? Meaning that man has an absolute will, or rather, men believe that they have an absolute will, meaning they can do whatever they want, however they want, and whenever they want, to whomever they want. There are some people who actually have the nerve to believe that their their will is that powerful, and that is simply not the case. Imagine if man had a sovereign will like God, but in his sinful state of mind, how much worse would this world be? We would, we would have destroyed each other by now because man at his core is a wicked being. He's not a benevolent being. He is a wicked being. So with that said, I want to compare the two wills. And in the area of election, of divine election, this seems to always be a sticking point for um, for different Christians, particularly those who are uh, who are of what we call Calvinism or the Reform view, and those who are of what we would call the Arminian view or the non-Reform view. Now, once again, those that are in the non-Reformed camp believe that a lot of them, not all of them, believe that man's will can trump God's will because God will not violate the will of man. And that much is true because God is not a violator. He has never violated man's will. And to insinuate that he does or can is a uh, misinterpretation or a misunderstanding of the, uh, the mind of God. So, those in the Armenian camp, and, and it's, it is not indicative of every person who subscribes to an Armenian view or a non-reformed view, but I would imagine there are a large number of Armenians that believe that God will not violate the will of man because God honors or esteems God, man's will higher than his own. I, for one, uh, do not believe that for one minute. Now, in the reformed camp or in the Calvinistic view, we believe, and I and I subscribe to a reformed view, that God can alter the will of man so that man will make the right choice in regards to 
choosing God in the area of uh, salvation. Let me explain what I mean. Here's the thing. The Bible tells us that we, there, there's none who does good, no, not one. All have gone out of the way and all basically every man has turned to his own way and man does what is right in his own eyes. So if that is the, the hopeless condition of man apart from divine intervention from God Almighty, then man is going to destroy himself. He's destroying himself as we speak, but he will continue to degenerate and continue to destroy others and himself because of his wicked, depraved nature. So in order for God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in sinful man, God has to overpower the stubborn resistance of man's will and insert his love and his power in the heart of man so that man will recognize that God is arresting his attention and for and also God has to love on man in such a way that that love becomes irresistible and God then accomplishes in that chosen sinner's life what he wants to accomplish let me drive the point home so if God is endeavoring to save a man remember as I have taught in the past and will teach also in the future that God chooses whom he wants to be a recipient of his saving grace before the foundation of the world remember we learn that in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 when God chooses someone when he elects someone when he predestined them that is before the foundation of the world he did that before the earth was even formed so in time when God wants to affect salvation in the life of a chosen sinner he will work in the inward parts of man so powerfully so effectively or as scholars say so efficaciously that man will not be able to resist the love of God that has been shed abroad in his heart and he will recognize his his sinfulness he will be penitent he will repent he will be contrite and once the gospel is preached to him he will believe and he will be saved and thus God's plan of redemption in that chosen person's life will actually happen so once again the will of God in this instance in the in, in the area of salvation God has to be the aggressor God has to be the one not to force man but to lovingly activate the freedom uh, of man so that he will choose God because God in eternity past has chosen him and that and that is the rub between the reformed camp and the Armenian camp. The Armenian camp uh, are in disagreement that God would do that because they look at it as a violation of man's will, whereas those in the reform camp look at it as a divine loving intrusion in the will of man so that the will of man can be altered and navigated to the way that God wants it to go. 
and just understand this God's will is autonomous which means he has absolute will no one can withhold or neutralize or render null and void God's will because God is all powerful and and, and whenever God wants to affect a life uh, in this time and space he will affect that life he doesn't need man's permission he doesn't need his approval to intervene into anyone's life please understand that just because we have a free will doesn't mean that we have an autonomous free will to do whatever we want God's will will always supersede our will so that our will then becomes his will and without that intervention think about it without that intervention no man could ever come to saving faith I'll repeat that without God intervening and navigating our wills and and activating our wills so that we will choose him then no one would ever come to saving faith another complaint would be this is that like I said they would people would say that God is violating or twisting the arm of man and he's bringing him into the kingdom kicking and screaming and that's not the choice at all once again this is about love God is loving on the chosen sinner who currently before his salvation actually takes place in his heart he is doomed he is on his way to destruction but because God loves man so much that's why he sent his son to be a uh, sacrificial uh, lamb sacrifice atonement substitute for man so that anyone that believes that's the condition that is a necessary condition that one has to believe in order to gain eternal life John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe will not perish but have everlasting life so it is the will of God to save man it is the will of man to reject God so in order for God to save man God has to reverse the bondage of the will of man because man's will because it's evil is in bondage to its sin so even though we have the freedom to choose we don't have the freedom to choose what is right when it comes to our salvation so God has to intervene and navigate our will to his will so that what we choose is what he wants and what he decrees I hope you understand that so without that intervention from God man will never choose him he doesn't have the power he doesn't have the ability he doesn't have the moral fiber he cannot incline himself uh, from unbelief to belief without divine intervention so we should thank God that God does intervene and that he does trump our will so that his will in us is accomplished let me read for you in Jeremiah chapter 32 Jeremiah chapter 32 and I'm going to start with verse 40 he says and he's talking about Israel here he says I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good but I will put my fear listen to this in their hearts in other words in the inside of them in the in the most innermost chambers of their being that they shall not depart from me once again that's Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 40 let me go over to the book of Ezekiel 
has a, another great insight in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to go to chapter 36 of the book of Ezekiel, and we're going to start with verse, I believe it's 24. And I'll start there, and it says, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Verse 25, And then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols, and I will cleanse you. This is key. Listen to this. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and you shall keep my judgments, and do them. That is from Ezekiel chapter 20, chapter 36, starting with verse 24, and I read through verse 27. So when God calls a life, when he brings someone back from the dead, when he regenerates them, as Jesus described in John chapter 3 when speaking to uh, Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel at that time, he regenerates them. In other words, he provides them with the new birth. He preaches the gospel to them. They repent, they believe, and they're saved. So the very thing that Ezekiel described is what happens to every person who comes into the kingdom of God. God removes the stony heart of flesh, that, that, that heart which is hard and is resistant to the love of God and to the commands of God. And then he says, I will put into you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statues. You shall keep my judgments and do them. That is the only way that a person can do the will of God. A spiritual surgical procedure has to take place. God has to go into the inward parts and change the heart. Now, it's not obviously something that we can see, but it is something that we have to believe by faith does indeed take place in the heart of the believer. Because understand this, prior to you coming to faith in Christ, we're all dead people. You're a dead man, you're a dead woman, you're a dead boy, you're a dead girl. God has to regenerate us. He has to give us the power and the love of the gospel so that we can hear the truth and that we can believe and the reason why we will successfully believe is because remember God has taken out that stony heart which is indicative of the dead man is indicative of the old man and then he puts in a heart of flesh which is indicative of the new man and he says I will put my spirit within you so if God is going to put his spirit inside of a man then that man or that woman or that boy or that girl will receive the truth they will believe and they will be saved so once again that is why it is important to understand the, um, the connection between the will of God versus the will of man. The will, if, if our wills are left to ourselves, then we will never believe. We will be eternally lost. Now, if God decides to give our will a jolt or he activates our freedom so that our freedom is no longer in bondage to our sin, then our then our uh, will is really free. We really have liberty in our will to believe, and that is what we want. So for someone to 
complain or to gripe about the fact that God is strong arming them into the kingdom. He's forcing someone to believe uh, without their consent. God never violates the will of man. We have that backwards. Man violates the will of God. God has never been a violator of man's will. Never has and never will be. But because God is sovereign, he has every right to navigate our wills in the direction that he wants it to go. And even though people may complain that if God is navigating our wills, then how is our choice really free? Well, just because God navigates the choice or he empowers us to make the right choice doesn't invalidate that the choice is a legitimate choice. It is real because God says that it's real. Just because God intervenes and intrudes in our will and, and, and overrides our stubborn resistance to his commands does not mean that the choice that he influences us to make is an invalid choice. It's still a real choice. But like I said, left to ourselves, we will make a real choice. But guess what? We're going to make the wrong choice and we will seal our doom. So understand that by God intruding in our lives, navigating our will to, to choose him by his power and by his love through the preaching of the gospel message, it is all love. It is not uh, God forcing us or strong arming us or dragging us into the kingdom kicking and screaming therein lies the difference uh, ladies and gentlemen between the reformed or what's commonly called the calvinistic view and the non-reformed slash arminian view so hopefully this helps you understand how god's will works we there are many things that or decisions that we make that are wrong and if god did not intervene in those decisions then it could have cost us our lives. And when we look back at our lives in retrospect, when we intended to do something wrong and somehow that wrong decision that we had drudged up in our mind did not manifest itself in an, in an action, we can praise God for because we realize back in retrospect, looking back at it in hindsight, that it would have been the worst decision that we could have made. So. Praise God that he loves us enough to intervene into our lives, to disrupt our lives so that he can input his power, make a decision over our decision so that our decision becomes subservient to his and therefore he accomplishes uh, his purposes for our good, mind you, and for his ultimate glory. Praise God. This will end this podcast episode. I am Brother Dale, your host of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. God bless you until the next time. Amen.